Jesus does have a love for sinners, amen? Wouldn't be here today if he wasn't, if he didn't. I mean, is that your song today? I like what Brother uh, Matt Crozier had to say about songs. You know, even I've heard another preacher say it too, you know, on, on speaking on backsliding. You know, it starts here and starts there, and pretty soon you start listening to different music. But Matt, when Matt Crozier said, I mean, I've said it too, you know, but it, what are you thinking about when you listen to those songs? I mean, I always wanted to get a motorcycle. I know if I have certain songs, if I sing Amazing Grace on a motorcycle, I'm probably just going to putt right along. But if you're going to insert some rock and roll ACDC or Guns N' Roses, I'm end up dead on a freeway. Amen? So what, what's your heart telling you when you listen to that? You know, Is that your song? And my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. Amen. Well, pastor is still home. So it's been longer than 72 hours. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so I think this is a new record for a while. Um, so he says, I know he said he's doing good. His strength's coming back slowly. So um, Brother Bob says he's, he's working on getting a chair. So maybe I think next Wednesday there's, we have Aaron Riddle. And after that, I'm not sure who we got. Who we got this coming up Sunday, Brandon? Mm-mm. Jeff Johnson, that's correct. Yep, Jeff Johnson, then Aaron Riddle's got next Wednesday. And maybe after that, maybe Pastor's back. So be in prayer for that. So I don't know, maybe maybe the chair will come by then. <laughs> so I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's been a long time. So um but God's still been good. God's still been moving. Um, there's been a lot of great messages preached here. I know that have helped a lot of everybody. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kept me more in my Bible. And First uh, Kings chapter 19, if you would. I know I spoke a little bit on correction or confidence, excuse me. Confidence last week. And I kind of ran through Elijah real quick there at the end and uh a while back we used to do our potluck services and i'd do some of the potluck services pastor kind of gave me that slot and i kind of was going through the life of elijah and all he went through and i kind of i left off right at right there after the he called fire down from heaven never never really got to this passage kind of did a run through of it last wednesday you know um, how Elisha got in his little pity party here, and but then he went on, and my man of God, and all his confidence came back. But Lord told me, showed me some other things just in my daily Proverbs reading. You know what? You can have confidence in correction, and we forget that sometimes. You know, uh, I was talking with one of my one of my boys there earlier, and you know what? It, you have to learn. We don't know everything, and the Lord has to correct us. And I'm kind of jumping ahead of the message, but God loves who He corrects. And that should be a comforting thought. And but we'll just get into it. Father, I thank You for this book. Lord, I thank You for Elijah. Lord, I thank You for all this that we can just look forward to. Lord, glean from it. Lord, and just it be a direction and a guide in our life. Lord, thank You for this book. I pray we all look at it with the same heart, Lord, that it just bring light to our daily walk with Thee. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. First Kings chapter 19 and... Verse number one, and it says here, it says, and, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then, then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, Is it not enough, O Lord, to take away my life? For I am not better than my father's. I mean, what of a change in events for Elijah? I mean, he goes from the brook there. He's, he's at the brook Cherith right there. And, and the ravens are coming down and feeding him flesh and flesh and bread in the morning and flesh and bread in the night. And I mean, then the brook dries up and he watches all this and the Lord's already hearkened to his voice and the, 
God's going to, when he prays again, then that's when the rain's going to come down again after the three and a half years. And then he goes over to the widow lady's house and then, then they have the, the vase that never, the, that never fails and the, the meal's always in there and the oil's always in there. The bread's there, you know, and then the, the boy's there and then the boy dies and he, he restores the kid's life back, brings him back, says his, his soul revived in him again. Then he goes over and he goes over to Obadiah and Obadiah is all discouraged. I'm, I'm not, they're going to kill me if I go up there. He goes, well, I'm going to go up there instead anyway. So I'm, I'm heading up there that way anyway. And, but it's Obadiah goes up and goes up there. Then he gets to Mount Carmel and we all know what all happened on Mount Carmel, the big showdown with all the prophets of Baal. I mean, just at a major events in his life, major events. I mean, all those huge events in the scripture, and now he's under a tree like Jonah. I mean, Jonah was the same kind of, a little, little bit, just when he's sitting under a tree. Jonah leads the biggest revival, and that by, by still by far one of the most puzzling books as a preacher that he could ever read. Guy has the wrong heart, leads the biggest revival, and he's still angry. He's like, I don't get that, Lord. That's not how we're supposed to preach. I don't get it. You know what I mean? As you're just mind boggled by it. But he's under this tree, and he's angry. Jonah. Man, I just want to die. Kill me. I'm better off. No, but I kind of feel bad for, you know, Elijah didn't really have anybody to go to. I mean, Elijah was the man. I mean, he was like Moses. Like, who are we going to ask? We'll go ask Moses, you know. We'll go ask Joshua. We're going to go ask Elijah. You know, he's the, he was the big wig, so to speak. Everyone knew who he was. But I like how he says there, you know, Elijah still remains humble. Still remains humble. He said, is it not a love? Take my wife, my life away from me, for I am not better than my father's. You know, you'll see that a lot, even with Daniel and some of these others. They'll even confess the sins of their fathers. Look, I know better than my dad was. That's humble. That's admitting it. You know you're no better. And he's just going to admit it. But you know what? He got depressed. Got discouraged. Got his eyes on. That's what he says. And when he saw it, he arose. He saw that Jezebel did that. He saw it. Got a little depressed. A little discouraged. Maybe even a little scared. I mean, it's hard to think that that would happen after all that. Am I, am I the only one that thinks like that? After all, I mean, you're the only one that comes up there, the prophets of Baal, God answers you, fire comes down from heaven, the rain comes down, and one person says one thing, and you know, you're scared and run for your life. You're like, it doesn't, I don't get it, man. You know what I mean? All that power and all that confidence. and But correction's coming. But Jezebel was no... Jezebel was Jezebel. Hence the term Jezebel. This is why nobody names their daughter Jezebel. She was wicked. It says over there in 1 Kings 21, 25, it says, But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. I mean, she was wicked. And not only that, but she did. she could have had the power to maybe... Put out a little hit on Elijah. She did with Naboth. All of a sudden, Naboth didn't have a vineyard anymore. But he lost his confidence. You know what? It happens. It happens. You can lose your confidence. Verses 5 and 6, it says, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him. And said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. You know what? God is good, amen? I mean, you're just telling the Lord, you know what? I'm, I'm no better than my father's Lord. Lord, I ought to die. And man, I'm sad right here, and I'm just depressed, and I'm scared, or whatever. All those things he's going through. And you know what the Lord does? Lord sends an angel down there. 
He sends an angel down there. I mean, first he's getting bread from ravens coming out of heaven. Then he's getting bread from the widow. Now he's getting bread from an angel. Can I say to this evening, you know, bread keeps getting better. You keep on going. The bread gets better. He is the bread of life. Amen. The bread will get better. It might not seem that in some times, but it's going to get better. You know, God's good. I think of the, the two that were in Emmaus. They're all talking to the, you know, the two that walked, Luke chapter 24, the two that were walking after, after Jesus had died and they're walking and it says, and Jesus draws near and says, it says they were walking and they were sad. And Jesus drew near to them. He says, what are these things you guys are talking about and you're all sad? And he corrects them too. And I'm, I'm not even, I, I probably could have went to that passage, I'm, but I didn't. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but, but he corrected them too. You know what? God's compassionate. God's got compassion here. He, God's going to comfort him. Same way he did with Jonah. Jonah's all angry and this and that, and the sun's beating down, and the Lord just makes a gourd grow. He says, and he was exceedingly glad for the gourd. Man, this is great. <laughs> Keeping that sun off my head. It's the little things, man. It really is sometimes. It really is. A gourd. Angel food cake. <laughs> it really is, you know. That's what it was. I think that's where that term angel food cake came from. I'm, I can't prove it, but I, I bet this tasted a lot better than angel food cake, I'll tell you that. Look at Proverbs. Hold your spot there. Turn to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and in verse number 11 says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. You know what? Don't despise it. Don't despise the chastening of the Lord. You know what? you get? You got to learn. Don't get an attitude. That's what a lot of people get. I'll get an attitude. And they won't learn nothing. And you know what it says about that? That, that I, I'll probably do a potluck sermon on eventually, but if you look at the fool in Proverbs, that is one strong guy. He can take a beating for not learning anything. I don't want to be like that. The Lord's trying to teach you something. You, you should, If He's trying to correct you, trying to teach you, trying to learn you, pay attention to it and try to get it. Learn it and keep on going. Then go. You know what? Neither be weary of his correction. For the Lord loveth who? He correcteth. That's who he loves. He loves you. He loves who he corrects. You know what? You're doing something wrong. You know what? God can fix it. He can. God can fix your problems. I had to, you know, kind of check myself with all this stuff with pastor. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't need to be the person stepping up and, oh, pastor's gone now. I need to do this. No, no. God can fix this problem. He's well capable without Mike Nemeth jumping in the way. <laughs> he doesn't need Mike Nemeth to fix the problem. God can fix the problem. He's fixed my problems. But He wants you to learn. He wants to correct you. He loves you. And God here, you know, turn back over there to 1 Kings chapter 19. God's fixing to correct Elijah here. And here God just showed him some love. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 7, it says, And the angel of the Lord came unto him the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. You know what this life is? It's a great journey. 
Everybody's got their own walk in this thing. Your life, I mean, I'm looking out and I, I know many stories here and none of them are mine. <laughs> and my, yours isn't, you know, and so forth and so forth. The journey's great. You don't want to go at it alone. You want God's help in this thing. You know, you want to be able to cleave to this book. Cleave to it. Don't let it go. Learn from these other people's mistakes. Learn from the light that's given to you. Let it correct you. Let it change you. Let it comfort you. And be transformed that way. You know what? We need God. We need Christ. We need that Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit of God to move in the service. We need the Holy Spirit of God when we're fellowshipping and meditating and reading this book. It's got to be like that. You know why? Because the journey's long. It's too great for you. You can't do this by yourself. Ask somebody who's tried. Philippians 4.13, who knows it? Anybody? I don't want to turn there. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen. You need God. We need God in this thing. It's The journey's great. It says, and he arose and did eat, in verse number 8, he rose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came hither, thither unto a cave, in verse number 9, and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even only I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. You know, God asked him that question. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? No, he doesn't even answer it. You know what Elijah's focus is on? It's on himself. You know what? Because he's in a pity party. And this is what it says. This is what it says. The Bible says it right there. It says, and he, he, he came thither, verse number nine, unto a cave. And you know what he says? It says he lodged there. It means he just stayed there. <laughs> Don't lodge in a cave. <laughs> I hate to skip to the end, but get out of the cave. <laughs> if you're, if everything's dark and you want to kill yourself and you're lodging in a cave, just get out of the cave. <laughs> Don't lodge there. Don't stay there. Look for God. Look for His Word. Don't. I just want to kill you. I'm not, I'm not being, trying to be compassionate here, you know, amen. But get out the cave. Don't, I've said it enough. I can move on. Don't lodge there. He's in that cave. It sounds a little bit like Obadiah, though. You remember that conversation he was having with Obadiah over in the previous chapter? Look at eighteen, twelve. Obadiah, he tells Obadiah, and Obadiah was under, he was, he was the governor for Ahab. And he was hiding all those prophets of, the prophets, God's prophets in the cave of a hundred of them by fifties in, in these caves. And he says, and he tries to bring up his own good works, and he says, you know what? We've searched high and low for you, Elijah. He said, now you're going to tell me to go, go look, go tell the king that you're here. Are you crazy? I mean, he starts getting all this worried and panicked and just, and it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from thee that the spirit of the Lord will carry thee whether I know not. And so when I come to tell Ahab and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, the servant, fear the Lord for my youth. You know, he's just excuses. Focused on himself. Not others. Not the Lord. He's kind of forgetting some things.
Verse number 11, he said, And go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire, a still, small voice. You know what? Those big, big things happen in your life. In everyone's life. You know, the wind destroys things. The mountains break. The rocks. The earthquakes. And we see them all with our eyes. And you can even, in your family and, and with your friends. And all these things can still happen. But you know what? Don't let it, don't let these big events remove, remove you from your foundation. Remember where you sit. Remember where you stand. Turn to the book of Ephesians. I like this. I hope it's a comforting verse to you. You're a saved, born again child of God. This should comfort you. That we're built together with Him. When everything's crumbling down around you, There's always hope. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord and whom you are also builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. You know what? That, that building's fitly framed together. And you know what? We don't know everything. And sometimes I don't think we just fit just right. But God has a way of correcting you. God does all the trimming. We don't do that. God takes away some of those branches, and He makes that thing fit together. And it says it groweth unto a habitation. Holy, by the way. God might just correct you to make you. He will correct you to make you holy. I wasn't born that way. But He'll grow us that way. You have to, you have, and if you're going to grow, you ain't have to be corrected with anything. Anything. In your job, you don't know everything. You're going to have to be corrected. You're going to have to be taught. You're going to have to be learned. You're going to have to be corrected. Take comfort in that. Have confidence in that. I need to learn this. On Christ, this solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. He is my confidence. That Holy Spirit, He that's begun a good work in you. You know who begun that good work in me? The Holy Spirit. When I called upon the name of the Lord and I got saved, that Holy Spirit dwelled in me. It was just like uh, Matt Crozier said, I was thinking about that too. And yet multiple personalities now. Yet the flesh that warreth against the, the spirit. And it said, the Bible says it's a law. But I remember thinking that and I, back when I sinned, I didn't have regrets about it. Before, I mean, before when I was, when I was lost, I'd just do stuff, you know. I can't, I can't mention from the pulpit, but you know, you just did it. There's no conscience about it. I just did it. Now when you're saved, you go, man, I probably shouldn't have done that. Probably shouldn't have said that. But before it was just like, I don't care. I, I'm a, I, this, is the worst, this is the worst story. You know when I first realized I was, I was saved? It's a horrible story. It's a horrible story. I was driving straight down Main Street and a cat went across the road. And I, I, I slowed down. I didn't run it over. It crossed the road and I kept on driving. And the Lord goes, why'd you do that? Because before I just went, my stupid cat. That's how wicked I was. I know, I know, I didn't want to tell that story, but I, that, I was just like, for me, that was big. I'm like, wow, something happened in my heart. I'm, I'm, you know, now I'm, hit, I'm dodging frogs and stuff. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, what's gone? I mean, I, I'm, I got changed. You know what I mean? I hate telling. I'm not going to tell that story again. I hate that story, but. But the Lord reminds me of it. You know? That was just so wicked. I run somebody's cat over. 
and wouldn't care. You're like, man, you're cold. Man, that was a lot worse than that. But that Holy Ghost, that Holy Spirit, is being confident in Him that He's going to do a work in you. And He'll finish it until the day of Christ. Just be confident on it. 1 Kings 19. I'm sorry you had to hear that story. <laughs> 1 Kings 19. Verse number 12. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was still not in the fire. And after that fire, a still, small voice. You know what? That Holy Spirit, He can sure make things still in your, in your life. Mountains be crumbling around. The fires are around. The earthquakes happening and all everything. Life's just crumbling around. But you know what happens? That still, small voice just comes in and just goes, you know what? Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. I can have confidence in that. I can have comfort in that. You know, God can still, still the waves. Amen. I like that. He can do it with one word. He can do it with a verse. He can do it with a wave of his hand. But you get in here and you start reading these verses and all of a sudden, here's I read 12 chapters. Well, what... What verse stood out to you? What chapter stood out to you? You better just get get one verse, one chapter, couple verses just to meditate on that the Lord's just really wanting you to work on right there and correct you and comfort you and, and chasten you, correct you, help you, and commune with that and the Holy Ghost and just move on from that. Then just a whole 20 chapters and you got nothing. I like with Mark six, Mark six fifty one. You know, like I said, you know, the Holy Spirit can still make things still in your life. God can still do that in your life, no matter what the situation is. Mark six fifty one says, and he went up into the ship, and the and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. <laughs> sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. I don't I don't even know what that means, <laughs> but I know what it is. <laughs> Amen. When everything's crashing around you and life's just hitting you from all sides and all of a sudden, it's still. And you go, wow. (laughs) Just like, did that really just happen? One verse and that just all my anxiety's gone. All my stress just, and now I'm comfortable again. I'm not angry. Sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. (sighs) Thank you, Lord. Verse 13, and it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? You know what? Elijah heard the word here. And you know what he did? He stood up. Amen. He stood up. He's fixing to get out of his lodging. And he's going to go stand at the entry here. Wrapped his face. Maybe that was just a little bit of humility. Maybe embarrassment. I don't know. But you know what? He's heading in the right direction. He's getting out of the cave. But it's the same question. What doest thou, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain the prophets with the sword, and I, even only I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. You know what? He knows he's not the only one. He just talked with he just talked with Obadiah there previously. Obadiah says, "Wasn't it not told to you?" And was it not told my Lord what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water? I didn't know about you, Elijah. I don't know, maybe, then I thought, when I thought about that, I said, well, maybe he went looking for him. Well, I know where a bunch of caves are. Maybe I'm going to go look in this cave. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. That's all I'm doing. All right, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, not trying. I'm not putting down Elijah. I mean, come on, that's Elijah, you know. 
But maybe he went looking for him. Maybe he did. One thing I know, though, is fellowship with believers is important. You start getting around, oh, it's just me, it's just me, it's just me. You know what? You better get around some other people just to lift you up. Iron sharpeneth iron. Get around other believers. We had a little get-together last Friday. It was nice. It was great just to get around some other believers and just fellowship around the Word, and it was good. You know? Lift each other up. Help each other out. Encourage one another. Edify one another. Strengthen one another. Paul called them fellow soldiers, fellow prisoners, fellow laborers, brothers and sisters in the faith. You know what? We need each other. We need each other. We don't want to go through this thing alone. It's just me. I'm all by myself. No, you're not. There's a bunch of people here this evening. We're all in it together. Nobody wants to fight that alone. And verse 15 says, And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. You know what? God tells him what to do. Look at this. Turn over there. to Hold your spot there. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, and in verse number 23, says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is a light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. You know what? You need that, you need that lamp. Anybody else can think of a lamp and a light verse, right? That word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You need this book. What's the last part of that verse say? And reproofs of instruction are what? The way of life. You find me somebody who wants to buck against that, I'll find you somebody who's got a lot of problems in their life. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And here Elijah's going to get it, and God's telling him, he got you here to the out of this cave and, Lord, and he tells you, you know what, Elijah, I want you to go out there and anoint that king. Go do what I told you to do. Some instruction. Are you going to do what God told you to do? Or are you going to buck? First Kings 19, and he goes and he tells him again, he says in, in verse number 16, Then Jehu the son of Nimshi shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphet of Abel-Meholah shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. This is where he tells him, I've always, I never, it's never sat with me when people say, this is where he had to train his replacement. I've just never sat well with me when people said it like that. I apologize. But, he gives him a guy here that that's going to be, that asks for a double portion of his spirit. He gives him the right, God gives him the right person to train. Let's look at the big picture here. He says, you know what, you're going to go, you're going to go, let's read it. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abed, Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. You know what, because God's going to fix to take him up. He says, I want you to, this guy that's going to be in your place, he's going to be a somebody too. I mean, imagine how, how comforted Elijah must have felt and how, ask anything of what, I, what, what I, I can give you. And they say, I'll give it now. And he goes, man, I just want a double portion of your spirit. And he goes, ooh. I bet he's pretty happy with that. What do you want? Oh, I just want to, I want to own this big house that's right over there on the hill. Dang, man, I really wish you wouldn't have said that. Because that's what Gehazi said. Remember Gehazi with Elisha? 
He went chasing after riches, and then he, you know what, you know what, I didn't, I didn't preach on that one. You know what cleaved to him? Leprosy. It said the leprosy cleaved to him and his seed forever. But imagine Elisha when he got that. He he felt pretty good. You know what? I'm going to talk this guy right. Tell him he wanted to talk about some spiritual things. Gave him somebody that was good. Gave him the guy with the gave him the guy with the right heart to teach. For that double portion. Verse 17, it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. You know what he expounds them to him prophecy? When you get near. God tells him what's going to happen in the future. God tells him what's going to happen. The guy who's going to anoint in his stead, this guy's going to do this, and he doesn't even know it yet. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty big. He says, you're going to anoint this guy, and then this guy's going to kill all these people. Oh, all right. <laughs> then you're going to train this guy up. Man, you don't even know what you're going to do yet. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I think it's cool anyway. And verse number 18 says, Yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which have not kissed him. You know what? The Lord was real gracious with them in all those three verses. And even in this last verse here, He was real gracious with them. But you know what He does? He rebukes Him. He rebukes Him. He reproves Him. He corrects Him. And you know what He says? He says, you know what, Elijah? You're wrong. You you ain't the only one, Elijah. There's 7,000 more that haven't bowed the knee. And kissed Baal. It ain't just you, big boy. But you can see the Lord loving him through him, loving him and correcting him through here. Gives him the right person. Turn over there to Hebrews. We'll kind of run through this real quick. Real quick, I'll just read this verse. You can tell you to turn there to Hebrews just so we for sake of time. He rebukes him. He corrects him. Says all those things. You know what the next verse says in number 19? It says, So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphan. You know what he did? He did what God told him to do. He received that instruction. He received that rebuke. He received that correction. And the Lord tells him, go out here and do those things. And he goes, all right, I'll go do them. And he gets out the cave. Doesn't lodge in the cave anymore. He gets corrected. There's confidence in that. Look at how much the Lord cared for him right there. Hebrews. Chapter number 12. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood and striving against sin. You know what these first four verses are? It's everybody. You've never done it. You can read Luke 22, 24. goes right there with that verse 4 when he sweat as if it was great, great drops of blood. Amen. Verse number 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. You know what that is? You know what the Bible calls that? We just read over there in Proverbs. They call it an exhortation. Getting chastened from, getting corrected. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye without chastisement were of all partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, 
and we gave them reference, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of the spirits and live? I like how he says that. He says, you know what? My daddy used to whoop me. (laughs) You know, I got spankings when I was a kid. Here's here's the difference, though. Here's let me let me just throw this out. I don't know. We got kids here, and I've done it wrong. Don't don't correct your kids out of anger. Don't spank your kids out of anger. God don't do that. God doesn't do that. God will correct him out of love. That's what the Bible says. Okay, and there's a difference. I'm not going to go off on that, but. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? You know, the human father, he, you know, he corrects it, he correct it, but the heavenly father corrects out of love. Verse 10, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, I like this verse number 11. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Peaceable fruit of righteousness. Boy, that sounds good. I like that. He's talking about being corrected. Talking about being chastened. The peaceable fruit of righteousness. Where you're exercised by. Exercise, an effort carried out to sustain or improve your health. That can be spiritual or that can be physical. Wherefore, lift up your hands, verse 12, which hang down in your feeble knees. I mean, it's really kind of funny, but you know what that is? Just go on. Just go on. The Lord chastened you. He rebuked Elijah. You know what? He says, now go out there and do what I told you to do. And he goes, all right. And he gets out the cave and he just goes on. I mean, you want to die three times? I mean, that's pretty feeble need if I, I would have to consider. And you know what Elijah did? He says he got up and he, and he went out. He went out and he did and he departed. Did what God told him to do. Just go out and do what God told you to do. And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which any time that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. I won't turn there, but Proverbs chapter four, twenty five through twenty seven is a good good passage just on making those paths straight. You can write it down, look them up later, but uh like I said, Elijah went out and, and did what was did what he was told to do. And real quick, and we're gonna go through this, but follow peace with all men. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And that's where you can get. Yeah, see one to see one head nod. When you start getting corrected and you start getting chastened of the Lord, you know what you can start getting? You start getting bitter. And I've seen it. I've seen turn over there in the book of John. We'll go through this real quick. Book of John, chapter number 21. You know what correction got Elijah to leave the cave, but correction got Peter to leave his catch. John chapter 21 and let's see, verse number this is after the resurrection. We all know this. Verse number one. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this the wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan of Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and the two other of his disciples. Look at this. Simon Peter saith unto him, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. So he, here's Peter. He's, he's dragging them all off. And went forth and entered into a ship, and immediately that night they caught nothing. But when in the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that there was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. 
And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find it. They cast there, therefore, and now they were not able to draw in it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple in whom Jesus loved saith to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. And as soon as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three, and for all there was so many, yet was not the net broken. I mean, this was the best catch Peter ever had in his life. <laughs> I don't have any doubt in my mind about that. This was just like, are you kidding me? Woohoo! Just, I mean. And Jesus saying to them, come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. And pay attention to this verse right here. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Now, so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? I mean, there he is, Peter's, you know, he's just the third time. And by the way, the first thing, the first thing Jesus ever tells Peter in Matthew in the Gospels, the first thing he ever tells Peter in the Gospels, he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. We all know that saying. You learn that when you're this little kid. I did, but anyhow, first thing. The last thing he's going to tell them in the book of John, the last gospel, follow thou me. Okay? And here, he, and here he says, he says, Simon Peter, lovest thou me? He says, you love me? You love me? Or you love you? There's these fish. And he saith them, yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. Verse 16, he saith unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith to him, yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith, feed my sheep. Verse, I mean, this is all going on in front of all of them. You know what I mean? Jesus is kind of rebuking them right here. Just, you love me more than these? And everybody's just kind of. That's how I imagine it. I don't know how you imagine it. Verse number 17, and he saith unto him a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was, look at that, what's that next word? Grieved. Peter was grieved. Hebrews 12, 11, now no chastening for the present seemeth joyous, but grievous. It happened pretty quick. I mean, you love me more than these, Peter? Yeah, Lord, you know it. You love me more than these? Yeah, you know it. Now he's like, oh, he's just grieved. Taking a little bit. Lord's correcting him. Lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, Lovest thou me? And he said to him, Lord, thou knowest all these things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. And then Jesus tells him, Verily I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and others shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying of what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. He said it to him again. Follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, saith to him, Peter seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? Oh, <laughs> there's that bitterness comes in. Am I making sense? Is this passage making sense with right there with Hebrews? You see what I'm saying? He's like, you know, he's, he's getting chased. He's getting grieved. He's getting a little bit stuck at it, but from the Lord. And, you know, you love us out me with these. Well, follow me then. Follow me. And this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. And Peter turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following. This guy's following Jesus. And Peter says, what about that guy? He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Why you got a problem with him? 
<laughs> Except I didn't, that's, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible is pretty close though. <laughs> and Jesus saith unto him, if it will that I tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. And that's personal. He says, follow thou me. You, Peter. Lord loves who he corrects. He just had the catch of his life. <laughs> I mean, all man, the biggest fish. Now we're going to follow me. You know what Peter does? He follows him. <laughs> he got it. Took him a while. Amen. I'm on the same boat. I ain't, I ain't Mr. I got a lot of learning to do. And my wife's like, she, I, I give you all kinds of chances to say amen and you never take advantage of it. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, we all do. God loved Peter. God loved Elijah. God loves everyone here. And if He loves you, He's going to correct you. But He's gracious doing it. You know? And all in, in His own way. Elijah was that, that bread, that word. Peter, he even, he even gave Peter all them fish. I mean, the Lord good. God loves who He corrects. You want to have confidence in that. God loves who He corrects. You know, there's, there's comfort in that. You know, and I wrote this down as a, one of my favorite verses over in our Ephesians. You know what? It's, uh, we have not achieved the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and we achieve the, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I said, boy, there's, there's something to shoot for. I'm not there yet. I still, I, I still need to be a lot more holy. I still need some things that reach out this way and the Lord goes, nope. We're going to cut that off. We're going to cut that branch because we need the fruit a little closer to the body this time, Mike. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't reach over there too far and get that. He can correct you. You know what? We need God's correction. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for this book. Lord, thank you for your correction. Lord, thank you, Lord, just for being so graceful with us. Lord, thank you for your long-suffering. Lord, just thank you for your mercy, Lord. Your mercy endureth forever. Father, I just pray, Lord, we just go out, Lord. Uh, Lord, just think on all these good things that you've done for us. Lord, may we not forget them. And Lord, if uh, Lord, some correction comes up in our lives, Lord, that we just get it right. Lord, help us to learn quickly and not be like the fool, Lord, and just take the whoopings. And Lord, thank you for everybody here. I, I pray you just bless our trips home, Lord, and just uh, bless us when we read this book and throughout our lives. Help us, Lord, to spread the word. And give a track to somebody who needs it, Lord, and just tell them about your son, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, and I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.